Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! Welcome back, Jeff, to another season of Survivor. I'm so happy to be back, David. Yeah, and another season of our podcast, obviously. But I really enjoyed the premiere. Like, was it the best premiere ever? No. But uh, I thought it was entertaining, nonetheless. Yeah, I would agree. It had a completely different vibe, and it had, like, glimpses of kind of... I thought some old-school Survivor, there were some character scenes I thought that were really good. Um, I also like the nature shots I thought were better than ever this episode. So while it wasn't the most enjoyable premiere, I think it showed some glimpses of some, some good stuff that we might be seeing this season. Yeah, if you go by Jeff Propes, this is like the best season ever, so... Right, well, so was Redemption Island, but... <laughs> so... Although, I will give him credit, he called Philippines pretty accurately, I thought, so maybe he's learn yeah we'll see yeah so i i have lots of high hopes for this season and uh i'm hoping it lives up to the the hype and expectations yeah well and i mean if i don't know if you read the article by uh, andy denhart but i think he made a really good point i think the reason it was the lowest rated premiere ever was because uh a it was underhyped from the beginning there wasn't too much advertisement for it and B, they changed the name so people didn't watch it on their DVR because they didn't reset their DVR. Yeah, just... I've always found that annoying. Yeah, for the past, well, ever since I had a DVR, I've noticed that. And I'm like, this, why? Because if you don't remember the premiere date, like if you're not a super fan like us who are counting down the days, um, right. you're like, oh, crap, was that on? Like, you know, and it's not recorded because it says Survivor Karamoan instead of Survivor Philippines. So, on your DVR. So, it's a completely different program, so to speak. Right. But, hopefully that's the case and it's not that we're losing viewers. It's probably that. And then also, I mean, you did have um, Idol and a couple of other things. But, Idol's losing steam. It seems like every show was doing bad that day. It wasn't just Survivor. And maybe it was because it was the night before Valentine's Day. It could be, yeah. So, there's a lot of speculation. Hopefully it will not decrease anymore, and it will at least stay the same or increase as the season goes on. We have the opportunity to speak to, speaking of Survivor Philippines, the one and only Michael Scoopin from Survivor Australia and from Survivor Philippines. Uh, he's going to be with us chatting all about the Survivor Caramon premiere and what his thoughts of were, as well as we'll probably get some information about his uh, time in the Philippines and maybe even the Outback and, and what that experience was like. Yeah, it should be a really good time. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. He is one of the, one of the Survivor originals, if you will. Seven Up Original. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. But before we get to him, let's uh, let's do the confessional count. Yes. Well, this season, David, we're doing the confessional count a little bit differently. We're gonna both pick the one person we think will get the least confessionals, but at least for the beginning part, uh, probably up until around the merge, or if there's a tribal swap. Um, we are going to do the fan who gets the most confessionals as well as the favorite who gets the most confessionals. So there's a lot of points up for grabs each week. But we all, I also think, like like you said uh, earlier, it'll kind of even things out and make sure that we're not just giving all of our votes to the favorites. Yeah. Sounds good. Who is your pick for the fan with the most? Fan with the most. I've had a lot of thoughts. There's two that I'm going back and forth with. But I'm going to go with Reynolds. 
Reynolds, okay. And there are, yeah, there are also a couple that were going back and forth with me. Reynolds was one of them. Also, I had Eddie on there. But I'm still thinking Matt, like, even though he's not really in the middle of all of the Alliance stuff, because him and Michael are kind of floating around, I think that if the fans lose, then him and Michael are going to get a lot of confessionals. Because they're kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. So. so you're going with Matt. I'm going with Matt. Yeah. So my other I, my other possible one was Shamar, just because of how yeah. volatile he is. But yeah, that was that would have been another good pick. So I'll pick first for the favorite with the most confessionals, and I am going to pick Philip. Interesting. Yep. Uh I think this uh, we're gonna have to go Brandon Hans. Oh, I didn't even remember the promo preview. Darn. Yeah. And you can pick first for least confessionals then. Least confessionals. Uh, Take your pick. Uh, there's lots of people. Ultimately, I'm going to go with a fan. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think I'm going to go with Julia. Julia? It's probably a pretty solid pick. I think I'm going to end up going with Allie, mainly because I'm looking at the cast list right now, and I don't even remember her. She's in the, on the at the Cool Kids table, Jeff. Oh, she's at the Cool Kids table? Yeah. She was. Which, the, she, kids aren't very smart. She was the not pretty one. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the cool kids are not very smart because they're like, "Here's our alliance. We got it. We're done. We're golden." And then they didn't realize that there were six other people on their tribe. Well, yeah, they said we're not going to invite anyone else in. I'm like, you need to invite two people in. <laughs> right. Anyway, should be it should be an interesting next episode, especially if the fans lose. I'm really interested to see how their tribal dynamics are are all going, but. Yeah. I hope they lose. I don't want to see any of the, the favorites go. Right, right. I like, I at least enjoy watching all of the favorites. Yeah. I mean, the Francesca was the one I was least thrilled about. Well, okay, we got, we got her out. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, Francesca was, it's just, I mean, to get voted out first, twice, how do you, man, that sucks. Yeah, and speaking of that, we like, that's a nice segue into our new segment, um, last season we did a historical analysis and we're like, enough with the education, no more history. We need to do an education of a different sense about Survivor. So, in honor of Philip Shepard, we have come up with the DJ rules, the David and Jeff rules. Um, and each week we will give us, have a certain topic, we'll do different rules that Jeff and I think are essential that you need to know. Yes, and, uh, it should be fun. Um, it's also aptly named because i think david put it in that order so it could also be the david johnson rules but that's just me well i did it because our podcast is david and jeff yeah okay yeah. i'm sure yeah <laughs> um but anyway yes yeah, so this week our five dj rules are going to be the five rules for not getting voted off first twice so it should be fun david and i have come up with five different rules collaboratively Yes. And so the first rule is, a, I think, a, a very good quote from the one and only Natalie Bolton from Survivor Micronesia Fans vs. Favorites, the original fans, fans vs. Favorites. And that quote is, put your head down and work. And the reason we chose this was because if, uh, if people notice you, there's a better chance that you're going to be voted off first. Putting your head down and work, it may not win you the game, but it'll definitely keep you in the game for another three days. And when your head is down, that means your mouth is also not moving. Right. Like, you want to be listening and not 
run in your mouth to everyone. Yeah. So, David, would you like to present the next rule? Rule number two. Do not make declarative statements saying that you will do something drastic if you are the first out. We've seen this several times. Anytime you make a, a really uh, drastic declarative statement, it usually comes true because they show it on Survivor. So, I mean, we've seen this all the way from Jonathan Penner, and then we saw it with Francesca where she was going to eat that rock. And it's not. And, and then I think later she said she was going to drown herself. So, uh, <laughs> don't make these over our, uh, these huge dramatic declarative statements because otherwise it's going to come back and bite you. Right. So, David, who do you think is going to be the one to bring a rock to the finale? Jeff Probst. I, I figured it would be him as well. I thought maybe one of the fellow contestants. No, but, no. Yeah, Jeff Ropes will definitely be bringing a rock to the uh, to the reunion and giving it to Francesca. <laughs> it, well, they could tell her it's either that or drowning herself. <laughs> right, <laughs> Third rule for not getting voted out first twice: If feeling threatened, make sure to summon your ancestors, preferably those with interesting names, such as Jessam Herring. <laughs> say this because obviously Philip, uh, it worked for him twice even, where he would uh, summon his ancestors when he was kind of up on the block against Francesca. So obviously and, there's something to the strategy, as crazy as it may look. And didn't even get a vote this time. Didn't even get a single vote this time. So, way to go, Jessam. <laughs> yeah. He's, man, he's good. Yeah. Number four. Do not play the game too hard too fast. We've seen this several times, but Francesca made it painfully obvious. You don't want to go in there and just start bulldozing people and playing the game super hard and trying to take control of all the situations and, and control of everything, because most of the time it ends up backfiring in your face. I also like, from a, like if I were a Cochran or a Dawn or someone, anyone who's made it further than Francesca before... If you come up to me and try to tell me strategy, I'd kind of look at you and say, who are you? You couldn't even make it three days last time. What do you know about strategy? <laughs> yeah, exactly, so, yeah. And then the fifth rule for not getting voted off first twice, if all of those other rules fail, don't come back a second time. It's that simple. If you're a winner and you come back a second time, well, your face may be at risk, but you still got a million dollars. If you got voted off first, it's not a chance for redemption. It's a chance for further embarrassment. Yeah. The only way to protect yourself from this is abstinence. Don't come back a second time, and you can't get voted out first twice. Yeah, it's, it's the best way. It's kind of like uh, in Survivor Pearl Islands when they ask, what's the best way to avoid a shark attack? Don't yeah. go in the water. Don't go in the water. Yeah. So there you have it, our five DJ rules to not get voted out first twice. Yes, and every week we will have five more DJ rules about some event that happened during the season or during that episode, so make sure you stay tuned for those. Uh, by the end of the season, we expect to breed a new generation of the best Survivor players ever. Yeah, if only Francesca would have known these rules ahead of time. We should call her and tell her. Maybe yeah. she won't get voted off first a third time. Yeah, who knows. Uh, but also we're going to be putting these up on our web or on our Facebook page as a poll and then yeah, vote for which one you think is the best rule or your favorite rule. Yeah. So David, uh, I have a question for you. A lot of people have asked or have uh, proclamated that Sandra Diaz Twine is the best survivor player ever because she was, she's played twice and she's won twice. 
Does this make Francesca the worst Survivor player ever? There's been a lot of controversy on this all over the internet, and I would say this. If you're looking at Survivor, statistically, Sandra is the best, Francesca is the worst, and all other people fall somewhere in between. Now, you can look at it other ways than statistically. I mean, you can look at it as who's an absolute idiot and oblivious to the game and didn't even know what was going on, but they weren't the first voted out because their tribe won immunity, or they... They won, or their other the rest of the tribe thought they were a pawn, so they brought them along. So maybe they're actually worse players, quote unquote. But ultimately, I don't think it really matters. It's the same argument of why people think there, there's other people better than Sandra, such as Parvi and Boston Rob and that sort of thing. I I choose personally when deciding best and worst on statistics, and you got to go Sandra statistically best. Francesca, statistically worse. I probably tend to agree with you. I think there would be some contention for debate only based on anyone who's been voted off first but didn't get a chance to play again. I think in order to claim her as to be statistically the worst, those people would have to play again and not be voted off first. But I'd say with, with the information that we currently have, that's the only conclusion that can be drawn. And boy, was that fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, so who do you think's in who do you think is in danger if, should the favorites lose again? Because obviously Brenda and Eric and Brandon oh, are the three who didn't go along with Phillips Master um, Alliance. If if Brandon goes through with his Russell plans, they're gonna get him out. There's there's certain people there who aren't gonna tolerate that kind of behavior. If, if this is all a big ruse and like, oh, Brandon's going to blow up. Not really. It happened for two seconds. Um, uh, sort of a thing. I can see them getting rid of Brenda because she's a threat. That's fair. I also think, like, another thought that I was having, one, one of my favorite parts of the episode was when uh, Philip went up to Eric and said, we want you to be part of an alliance. Oh, but I'm not in control. I'm just an errand boy, so don't go back and tell all your friends that Bill's trying to make alliances. Uh-huh. To me, that was one of the most hilarious things, because from anyone's perspective, even if Philip's talking to me as Eric, I could tell that Philip was in charge of that alliance, and it was just kind of hilarious that he would make such an obvious statement. He was, he was trying a little too hard, is what you're saying. Right, right. I just I found it very humorous. Yeah, I don't think Eric's going to be the next one to go, though. He's too strong in challenges, A, and B, he's he's not as big of a threat as Brenda in people's mind, and he's a lot more likable than Brandon Hans. Right. So, uh, shall, we, uh, shall we call Michael? Let's do it. All right, and now we have the one and only Michael Scoopin on the line with us. How are you doing, Michael? Hey, good morning. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. So we're going to talk some Survivor, huh? Let's talk some Survivor. Uh, Survivor Caramoan premiered last week. What What are your overall thoughts of this season? Uh, do, you, do you think it's going to be a good season? And sort of how do you think you would have done if you were on the, the favorites instead of just a returning player from Philippines? You know, it's interesting because the favorites are more like people that have made really tragic decisions on Survivor. I mean, I don't, I mean, you, you could look at that group and say many of them were one decision away from being in the final three. You know, Malcolm was one, uh, one challenge 
slip away from being in the final three. But really, he made the mental decision because Denise would have taken him into the final three if he would have just joined with her. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Malcolm, I, I, I can see where his fatal mistake came from. We saw Cochran's fatal mistake of the flip-flop. We saw Brandon's fatal mistake of the immunity idol or giving away the immunity necklace. We saw the same thing with Eric Reichenbach. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a interesting season um, where they're maybe not the best strategic players out there. So when I watch the season and think, hmm, I could have been, you know, in that season, it's actually kind of intriguing. I mean, I, it would be a, a good season, I think, for a strategic player to get into because there's a lot. And I'm not suggesting that they're not strategic players because, I mean, they're out there playing the game. But um, I really look forward to the day that I can play with multiple returning players. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely a completely different dynamic than being the, the sole returning player on your tribe. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? Even that said, I still think if you have a good pregame strategy – which I don't think Penner and Swan came in with because it looked like, and I'm not dogging them out, but it looked like Penner and Swan came in and they played the exact same character that they played the last time they played. Mm-hmm. So everybody already had a defense against how to play against them. Yeah. Where I came in and played a completely different character. And it just worked out great. I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I'm just saying <laughs> that my, it ended up working out great because people didn't know how to counteract the Mike Scoopin 2.0 that came out in the Philippines compared to Australia. So um, I think the returning players that can reinvent themselves um, will have a much better shot. Uh, I thought Philip played beautifully. I thought it was great that he was taking charge and making alliances, but I'm not sure that it's the best strategy out there at this time so early with the returning players. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's almost not fair to ask a returning player what they think of the season because, really, I think we all kind of universally love Survivor. It wouldn't mm-hmm. matter if there was eight seventy year or 20-70-year-olds out there. We, we just love the dynamic of the game so much and be so far beyond what you know everybody else sees. So, so looking at kind of the challenges, I, I'm a big fan of the challenges. I know you are as well. Uh, what did you think of the first reward challenge where they were wrestling in the mud it killed me it killed me because i wanted to be there yeah you Um, didn't get a a wrestling challenge in either of your seasons right no it's such a bummer too because i love that barbaric mano mano you know primitive just you know no weapons just best man wins and you got to use strength and finesse and they added water to it and they added you know, other people to it. I thought that some of the uh, the fans kind of blew it because I thought the girls should have jumped on the guy's back when it seemed like the the, the the favorites were taking a physical control of the game. I thought the girls should have jumped on the guy. I thought, you know, they could have... You know, it's the pre-game strategy, pre-challenge strategy that the new players just don't understand. They're a little bit deer in the headlights like, oh my gosh, I'm playing Survivor instead of let's create a strategy for winning. You know, Penner is 
definitely not the strongest man on any season. He might not even be in the top 50%, but he's so smart that he can see things that other people can't see. So he's always an asset in a challenge, even though he doesn't have the physical strength or the running speed or the cardiovascular, you know, health that many other people would have. So I think the fans at this stage are, are, are blowing it as far as strategicness, even in the second challenge that they did, they just put the wrong people in the wrong legs of that race. And if Malcolm could have just, you know, we all, we all know from watching Philippines, Malcolm is strong. He's athletic, but he's not hand-eye coordination guy. Mm-hmm. And to, to put him in the hand-eye coordination part of that challenge was definitely a strategic blunder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's always, uh, I think always important to utilize the when Jeff says, all right, I'll give you a couple minutes to strategize. Well, that's really important to actually well, strategize and, at that and time. We all knew, you know, in our tribe, you know, Tandang was, you can argue that Tandang in the Philippines was the most successful tribe in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the only tribe to go into a merge, not only without losing a player, but we gained a player. <laughs> But, you know, we never lost. We never lost a single player. We, um, uh, you know, we we knew what everybody's strengths were. We knew what everybody's weaknesses were. We talked about them. So even when it came to the challenge, we already knew, you know, if it was a strength challenge, who was going to be the go-to guy. If it was a running challenge, who was the go-to. If it was finesse, who we go to. If it was hand-eye, if it was swimming. I mean, we always knew who we were going to go to and who we weren't going to go to. And it's so critical because sometimes it's literally just seconds that determine the winner of a challenge. I, I was sort of like, yeah, because I was, I, w- I would almost sort of want to see y- you in sort of that wrestling type challenge. And I thought it would be interesting to see a lot of Philippines people like that. But the closest thing we got were you guys just at a standstill with a big ball in the mud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, you know, um, I was, I'm 6'3", 220, and I was the uh, biggest guy out there. Um, uh, but Pete, Malcolm, and Artis, and I almost looked eyeball to eyeball. If I'm 6'3", they're 6'2", 6'2 and a quarter, 6'2 and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, and, and I had a little bit more weight than they had. I think Artis was 206, and, you know, I don't even know if Pete was 200. But, I mean, so I had a little bit more weight on them. But, yeah, I love that. I mean, I played tackle football on Monday nights and you know I play uh, you know really hardcore version of basketball and you know every week and I play hockey and we you know I play physical sports and I love the physical part of the game because it's not just raw strength I mean there's a lot of finesse to uh to, to, to winning those strength challenges as we saw in the water and I'll tell you I was impressed with Malcolm pulling the victory out for his team because he's only on 30 days in between doing both seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so I looked at him, and I can tell for sure. I know Malcolm. I lived with him 24-7 for about three weeks in a row. Um, you know, he was on Pandang, and then he was there all the way to day 38, and I know that guy really well. So when I looked at him, and he is not at 100%. Not, I don't think he's eighty percent. He might not even be sixty percent. Wow. 
Well, let's uh, let's transition and talk a little bit about the strategy of, of the favorites and, and everything. And obviously, Francesca was the first one to go again. Where do you think she went wrong? You know, I think in the Survivor universe that it was just meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, to even be in a position, she's not just the first one in the history of Survivor, she's the first one in the history of reality television. <laughs> to, 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 and, and maybe the only one, because you would never bring back a person that was first voted off. Yeah, unless you were doing like you know, an all first off sort of a thing. but Yeah, but you know what? I mean, to do an all first off, the people that get voted out first get voted out first for a reason. And to do an all first boot thing, I mean... As much of a fan as I am of this game, I, I don't see any entertainment value in that, other than laughter to see who got voted off again first. Come on, Dev Eaton versus Zane. <laughs> you know, occasionally there are characters that get voted off first, and Zane was one of them. <laughs> Francesca, you know, Francesca needed to not be so aggressive in her hatred for Philip mm-hmm. because Philip had made friends. I mean, there is a finesse social strategy to this game and it's making sure you don't throw people under the bus that could have made friends with the person you're throwing under the bus. Cause they'll just go back and tell them, you know, and, and without getting too deeply psychological here, she could have, been involved in making the decisions without being the one that made the decision. And because she tried to be the one making the decision, it put her back out there. I mean, physically, she had strength, but it doesn't matter because the first vote is 99% of the time social dynamic. That's it, period. Deb Eaton, social dynamic. That was just it. It just is. And so even though they technically weakened their tribe by voting off Francesca from a social dynamic standpoint. Um, you can go through season after season after season and many of the votes, even if it means a failure in overall game strategy, many of the votes are social dynamics. Mm-hmm. So speaking of social dynamics, let's move over to the fans tribe a little bit. What did you think of Shamar and his, uh, constant bickering with Matt about the shelter over the fire. Well, I think we knew that Shamar was a type A. And I did a really funny, uh, I'm doing the power rankings with Xfinity and Gordon Holmes this year, and I think they're going to be posted today. And I wrote a funny little blurb about all 20 characters. And, you know, Sarge, uh, Sarge, Shamar, Sarge, uh, he, you know, he's a big guy. Uh, Not that many people tell Shamar what to do. From a pre-game strategy, I thought if he could just keep his mouth shut, he could probably be a really big asset to the tribe. But when you got to – I've worked with the military quite a bit. I've worked with the Wounded Warrior Project over in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. And, um, you know, I have more exposure to the military than the average Joe who is never in the military. And it's a very different culture, very, very different culture. You know, when you say to do something and you're in command, you don't have a choice. It's not like you have a – there's no decision-making. There's no choosing if you want to do it. 
you know, mm-hmm. it, it just is. And that's just the way that they train their people. Because in war, when someone says go left, you better go left or it could cost you your life. So, you know, when Shamar told him what to do and he said no, that's kind of a foreign concept to Shamar. Mm-hmm. And so we knew it was going to create. And, and when you look at Matt, you know, kind of the rebel of society in, in, in many aspects, um, you know, he's going to say no. Even if it makes sense, he just has a rebellious nature. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to the dynamic between Shamar and Matt, but both of them clearly don't understand the game of Survivor. And it, it comes partly because they're the newbies mm-hmm. um, and partly because they, 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 you've got to remember this isn't real life. I thought it was funny when Lisa Welchel last season kept saying, Oh my gosh, for the first time in my life, I'm not hiding behind the camera. I'm not playing a character. People see me for who I really am. And it always made me laugh because, no, we don't. This is a survivor. <laughs> We're playing a completely different character than we do in real life. And we make decisions completely differently than we do in real life. So, yeah, no, it, it's definitely a very similar concept. So, um, I never said that, Elisa, because I never wanted to kind of burst her bubble, but... Yeah, you have to completely alter who you are, the way you make decisions, the way you act, who you sleep next to, who you offer water to. Every single thing you say and do is is, is a factor with how long you stay out there. Well, and, and going on with this concept, what do you think of this whole Cool Kids Table Alliance and, or, and these four uh, two couples that decided to make this uh, alliance on the fan stride? Well, here's... The rule number one, flat out, cannot be broken rule of Survivor. Is this uh, is this a MS rule, a Mike Scoopin rule? This is a this is a, this is a Mike Scoopin rule, but it really is kind of a common sense rule. And all it says is, don't telegraph your alliances. You know, if you're an NFL quarterback and you stare at the receiver that you're going to throw to, and then you throw it to him you're going to get intercepted and you're not going to be an NFL quarterback for very long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you dribble a basketball down the court and you stare at the person you're going to pass to, you know, the no-look pass that got made famous by Michael Jordan or uh, uh, Magic Johnson, that's how you play. And in Survivor, you can't telegraph your alliances. One of the things that Malcolm said on when he got voted off they said, Malcolm, when he got voted out of the Philippines, they said, Malcolm, what surprised you most about this game? What surprised you most out there? And he said the fact that Scoopin and Lisa had an alliance from day one. Because we never telegraphed it. It was the only reason. The most threatening thing you can do on Survivor isn't yell at somebody like Shamar did to Matt. It isn't being lazy. It isn't goofing up in challenges. The single most threatening thing you can do on Survivor is be a two-person alliance, and people know it. That's, mm-hmm. that everybody immediately wants to break it up. In the in the Philippines, when Abby Artis and Pete made their clear telegraph stance, we are we are one, we are united. But the only thing we ever talked about was breaking that up. Oh, the cool kids lunch table. You know, again, I attribute it to them being newbies because thank God all the newbies on. Philippines telegraphed their alliances. It was the only way that I could create a strategy against it. So, so they not only telegraphed it, they sat out in the middle of the pond like sitting ducks saying, 
we're four, you guys are six, it's quite obvious we're together, we're laughing, we're hanging out, we're sleeping together, we're massaging each other at night. The, the, the mistake that the other six are making right now is they're not forming a six-person alliance against that right now. <laughs> yeah. It would be, for, for a returning player, it would be almost instant. You see four people hanging out on the water, boom, you're making a six-person alliance against that, and you're going to town, and it's not happening. The problem is fear. I would say fear is the single greatest strategic tool that you can use out there to keep yourself in the game, but it's also the single most biggest reason why people get voted off because they're afraid to make a move and they're afraid to take a stand and they're afraid to, you know, make a decision out there. So it doesn't get talked about a lot, but fear is definitely a motivating factor out there. Mm-hmm. So you kind of already touched on this, but is it ever smart to hook up on Survivor? We saw, I was, I believe it was, was it Eddie and Hope? No, it was Reynolds and Allie. Reynolds and Allie. Okay, the other two. Reynolds and Allie, we saw them kind of uh, enjoying themselves at night. Do you think that is ever a smart decision? You know, um, the problem is, is you know, Malcolm and Angie did it, and and immediately everybody was threatened by it. Even Denise, and who was in Malcolm's alliance, didn't like it. So, you know, it, it creates something that you have to break up. You know, they got rid of Russell Hansen's girlfriend. They got rid of Boston Rob's girlfriend. They got rid of, I mean, every little, and I don't mean girlfriend like, you know, girlfriend, but I mean, <laughs> when in any capacity, you create a like-mindedness with anybody, you're going to be seen as a threat, and one of you is going to go. And so Reynolds, who potentially could be a good player, you know, he's, cocky enough, he's charismatic enough, he's good looking enough, he's athletic enough, he's you know, he's you know, potentially smart enough. But man, he was going this wasn't a little hip rub like Malcolm did. He was I, I don't even know what he was doing. But all ten of you are sleeping together. And it's I, I can't even imagine that Angie or that uh, Allie would even allow it. And the second thing is, is that I read his bio and he's married. So you're on your first night away from your wife and you're doing this on national television. The cameras never ever turn off. The cameras don't ever turn off. You're going to the bathroom. The cameras are on. You're sleeping. The cameras are on. They don't show everything. Obviously it wouldn't be good television to show someone going to the bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> but the cam- the cameras never turn off. So, yeah, there was that's a that's a potentially fatal blunder, and it's already going to cause a huge amount of animosity in the camp. We saw a little bit of it, but it's going to be bigger because you can bet you they're going to be sleeping back together next episode. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, Michael and Matt and their sort of alliance that they made? They you sort of had the three girls. Uh, and then the cool kids, and they were like, well, let's just uh, play it by ear and let's see which where we want to go and everything. What were your thoughts on them? You know, it's, 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 it's again, and I, I, I don't want to pick on the new people because I was a new person and I made those blunders too. So let's be clear that I made them too. But, you know, here these two guys are out in the middle of the water, which means you're talking strategy where everybody can see you. That's that you know the first thing that caught my eye. The second thing is is Matt saying you know Matt's not going to last long. 
Matt doesn't understand the game at all. Like, like Mike says, hey, Matt, let's form a line. And Matt's like, oh, no, let's wait. You you can't wait today. You could wait on season one and season two and maybe season three. But you wait now, you're dead. You are dead in the water. I We formed an alliance within 60 seconds out in Survivor uh, Philippines. We had a four-person alliance within 60 seconds. You, There's no wait. And by the mere fact that Matt's saying, oh, let's wait, and Mike's like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Well, what if we don't lose? Well, what if we do? You only have about four or five hours back at camp after you lose the immunity challenge. There isn't enough time to create. You need to create before all that happens. So, you know, I like Matt. I think he's you know, can be a, a, a fun, entertaining person for the show. Mike seems like the same way. I have no problem with either one of them. But from a strategic standpoint, I'm not 100% sure that they're clear on how this game plays. <laughs> so speaking of strategy, we saw Philip kind of line up uh, a number of BR rules, which stands for Boston Rob rules. What did you think of Philip's Boston Rob rules? Were they... Uh, Good rules? Do you think they would actually help someone win Survivor, or do you think it's just Philip being Philip? No, but he called them BR rules, and it's really funny um, because you know it, they're they're Richard Hatch rules. Rule number one was make an alliance. <laughs> you know, rule number two was make an alliance inside the alliance. I mean, that's Survivor one hundred and one. Um, and then Survivor, I mean, rule number three is uh, you know backstab your alliance before they backstab you. Um, you know. <laughs> It's, you know, Lisa and I had an alliance on the very first day, and it took us into the final three. Uh, Malcolm and Denise had an alliance on the very first day, and it took them into the final four. So you don't have to backstab your alliance. I think it's just Philip being Philip. You know, he calls them the hour rules, and, you know, everybody, you know, knows that, you know, Boss Rob is a well-loved and strategic and athletic, and he's just a great player. Um, so I think it's it's cute more than anything. The problem is, is that Phillip's playing too hard, too fast. And I love people that play the game. I'm not a big fan of this, you know, flying to the radar type strategy. So I'm, I, 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 in my power rankings, Phillip's ranked pretty darn high right now. And I'm not ranking them as to how well I think they're going to do in the game. I'm ranking them as to where I think they stand on the totem pole based on the, when, you know, you walk out of tribal council. So, you know, his rules aren't, you know, uh, significant. But I wrote in my uh, in my recap, rule number four uh, is don't use BR rules if you're not BR. You know? <laughs> you know, BR rules work for BR, but BR rules don't work for Philip. You know, people say, oh, she's trying to be the next Parvati. They thought RC was trying to be the next Parvati by flirting with everybody, and they thought Pete was trying to be the next Russell Hans by being the evil mastermind. You know, you need to create your own set of rules. And and play by them. Um, you can use effective strategies of other people, but you need to create your own character or people are going to see right through it. So, I mean, your season saw a lot of new challenges that uh, that we hadn't seen before, and it was kind of refreshing after watching the same old challenges recycled over and over. And it seems like so far this season they're, they're doing the new thing again. So what did you think of the new immunity challenge where they had to break the grates over the building? Oh, yeah, I thought the fans didn't put the right people on the right legs. Like, the, I thought they should have put the more athletic people when you had to climb up four steps instead of, it seemed like they just didn't seem like they were out of order. And it was, you know, an amazing comeback. But, you know, like, 
Francesca is the strong person, uh, not the the spout, slender, runner-type person. And they put her on the last leg where she had to climb up four four flights. And mm-hmm. they lost a lot of time, you know. Um, so, I, I mean, there was... It was interesting strategies that were employed on in, in that one, and I don't remember exactly, but I remember thinking that they just weren't out of, they weren't in the right order on that. But um, uh, I thought it was a great challenge. I mean, I thought it was a really great challenge because it employed running and strength and 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 you know uh, hand-eye coordination. Uh, I, I loved it. I mean, I. I, I almost wish that the, the physical part would be immunity challenge. I'd like to see the immunity challenges being real hardcore go, I mean, busted till you're tired till you can't stand anymore. I mean, I, I, I don't like them always being decided by, you know, little intricacies like not untying or little things like that. And I know that we saw a lot of knots, and it definitely favors people with smaller, slender fingers. But you know what? I would never make an excuse for anything. You get me in a challenge, and I'm going to fight to the finish on no matter what it is, whether it's my strength or not. Yeah. Um, so you obviously, like you said, you played with Malcolm. You know Malcolm pretty well. What What were your thoughts on how he handled sort of the the dynamics of the, the favorites tribe this episode? Well, um, they didn't really – I mean, Malcolm was sort of ab- absent from the first season. We didn't, we didn't really get to – know Malcolm. If you didn't watch uh, Philippines, you wouldn't really know who Malcolm was. Yeah. And Malcolm has a choice because Jeff Probst, in a situation like this, like he did with Russ Pan on Heroes vs. Villains, what he would say is, just to let you know, Malcolm played on season 25 back here in the Philippines last season. And that's all I'm going to tell you guys. I'm going to leave it up to him to tell you anything else he wants to tell you. Mm Mm-hmm. So if Malcolm is smart, he'll say, hey, you guys, um, I was, you know, I'm Survivor. They finally got me on here, and I got hurt in the first two weeks. I got hurt in the first week, and I wasn't able to compete in the game. And they saw how badly I wanted to play in this game, so they basically gave, they redshirted me and gave me another shot to play Survivor. So, you know, I would have gone with some story like that if Malcolm's, honest and he says I make it all I made it all the way to the final four and I kicked butt and you know he's going to be seen as such a threat and I'm afraid that because of how weakened he is physically and how even more weakened he is emotionally I mean I'm telling you it took a long time emotionally for me to recover from the Philippines I'm afraid that he's going to trust somebody and tell them the truth and he's going to get exposed and I think they're going to keep him around because he's in challenges I think they're going to keep him around uh, you know at least until the merge if they have that opportunity to because he's he's not offensive he's not going to kick anybody off he's smart enough to not take a stance and like try and railroad a guy out like like Francesca tried to railroad uh, Philip out of there well, that's, that's not going to work because Philip made some friends. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm's smart enough to last a long time, but I think I, I'm afraid in his emotionally weakened state that he's going to trust somebody and it's going to come back to bite him. That's just my overall prediction of it. Mm-hmm. So in the favorites tribal council, we saw like 
Obviously, it was 6-4 for uh, Francesco over Andrea. And really, the swing vote in those two, in the, in the vote, was Cochran and Dom. So do you think that it was smart of them to get rid of Francesca, or do you think it would have been better of, for them to vote out Andrea and stick with that alliance? You know, it's interesting. And again, it comes down to social dynamics, because, you know, it, it's, we, we think from watching at home that it's always smart to vote out the the the. the the smartest person. And it, like I said, it doesn't happen like that. I mean, social dynamics, again, is such a big part of it. And she, I don't think it really, there's 10 people on the tribe and now there's nine. And from a long-term game standpoint, I don't know. Um, it, it seemed that Francesca would have been a good person to tag along you know, like, like, like she seemed like she could have been an ally for years for a much longer period of time. Andrea was shown to be pretty strategic. And, you know, Andrea, I, I would be a little bit more afraid of unless she was in my alliance. So, mm-hmm. I mean, from a physical standpoint, I don't think it hurt them. I don't think they're, you know, that Francesca is such a challenge beast that she, yeah. you know, that they're going to, that they're really going to miss her. Uh, I think at this stage, you know, you could almost vote out two or three people in both tribes and it not physically or emotionally wound your tribe. It's amazing to me. What the amazing part is, is that, you know, 95 plus percent of all first boots are unanimous. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising to me that the, that the, uh, favorites or the, yeah, that the favorites tribe is, so divided so early like I would have never ever ever guessed a six to four vote on the first one that they would have been split in half so early but the interesting thing about the fans um is that or the favorites is that you know there's three people from one season and three people from another season and two people from another season so there's already these built-in dynamics and built-in relationships and built-in you know, not necessarily alliances of sort, but people that I played the Australian Outback with, if I was on another season with one of them, I would have a pretty strong lean towards trusting them and playing with them because they were our, we're our little family. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the favorites are definitely complicated from a strategic standpoint by the fact that they, there's all these pre-existing alliances or relationships that are already in place. So who do you think is in control of this favorite alliance, the six people? Is is Philip actually calling the shots or do you think it's someone else? Well, right now I don't think there's a control because I look at Dawn and Cochran as a true person alliance and, and I'm just trying to think right now out loud and you know if I was looking at the uh the cast of characters I I could probably you know, show more two-person alliances. We have Malcolm and Corinne. Malcolm's going to uh, definitely, you know, I got to tell you, Corinne is absolutely beautiful, and Brenda is absolutely beautiful. And when those two women say to you, I want you to do something to a guy, (laughs) 24-year-old bartender, it it would be very hard to not say yes to them. (laughs) So it, it, it just is. You know, we're just guys. And... Um, you know, here these girls are running around in bikinis, running around in their underwear, whatever, looking at you saying, hey, I want to play with you. And you're like, 
yeah, that sounds like really good to me too. <laughs> so, you know, so Malcolm has been known to get swayed by the pretty one like he did with Angie. And then, you know, he ended up wising up. So I, I don't know if he'll necessarily fall for that. I don't know if anybody's in control. You know, Phil thinks he's in control, which he's been too outspoken about it. But if you notice, like I said, Cochran and Dawn made their alliance in secret. Mm-hmm. They didn't telegraph it, yeah. which is brilliant. And you can see that the way that things are done on the favorites tribe are done in secrecy, and things that are done on the fans tribe are done wide out in the open. You know, it's just, it's, that's why I have a very strong lean towards the favorites this season, because I think it's going to be a hard time for the fans, even if they were stronger or more physical or smarter. I think from a strategic standpoint, having been there is such a big factor. So then uh, maybe giving us a little preview of uh, your power rankings, but who on each tribe do you think is the worst position? Like who, who is on the outs ready to get voted out on each tribe? Well, I think, you know, um, you know, I think Matt's in a bad position. Um, I think uh, Shamar, you know, technically is in a bad position unless he can change his game. You know, from the first episode, it's hard to see because yeah. they're, you know, will they be able to rein it back in? You know, can can Shamar just have had that outburst and realize, boy, that was really stupid, and rein it back in? Because he could potentially be a leader. Could Matt not, you know, take exception to that? Um, you know, the problem is you have type A personalities out there. And you probably have 20 type A personalities. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult to rein in your type A. I mean, I'm as type A as they come, you know, especially in a survival situation. But I, if I would have played type A, I would have been gone a, a lot sooner. It's the reason Penner was gone. He kept playing type A. And as much as they made it clear that returning players were not welcome, he kept playing, I'm the returning player. So anyway, um, so I, you know, from, from the, from the fans tribe, you know, I see, you know, Shamar and Matt is being questionable. I see the, the cool kids. I, I, I nicknamed the cool kids lunch table. It's going to be the cool kids at Ponderosa because <laughs> they're, they're, they're being too obvious about their alliance. Yeah. And I, I, I see it ending poorly for them. Mm-hmm. I know that in most of the people's power rankings, they have Eddie and Reynolds ranked really high. Um, unfortunately, if they if they keep playing, you know, um, I'm the good-looking cool kid um, out in the middle of the ocean when everybody can see me, it's not going to end well for them. Yeah. You know, it just won't. So, so maybe Mike, who's, you know, laying back a little bit, he's just going to, you know, he'll, he'll, he might just let that happen. From the um, favorites team, um, uh, I thought Eric made a blunder by, you know, taking offense to Philip. Like let Philip, let Philip dig his own grave. Yeah. When you dip other people's graves out there, you're seen as a threat, and you might say something to the wrong person that's going to run back to Philip. So you 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 have to really be smart about who you throw under the bus and when you throw them under the bus. You know, Brenda, I thought played a brilliant game. She is seen as a very strategic girl that gets what she wants, and she sort of laid back. Uh, Corinne, I thought, played brilliantly because mm-hmm. she 
you know, is known as being a nasty, really strong type A, you know, say what she feels. And she was out there cracking jokes and being nice and, you know, smiling. And, I mean, I thought she was amazingly uh, chameleon-like in the way that she changed her game up. You know, I thought Don and uh, Cochran did well. I mean, Cochran is so burned that you could I, – I, I heard he almost – there was talk about him being medically evacuated. Yeah. I mean, that's how bad his burn is. And, um, you know, somebody that's not good in challenges and he's burned to a crisp and, you know, he's 25 years old, so he doesn't have these, like, strong leadership traits yet. But for some reason, his name just never came up because he's playing smart. You know, it, it'll be interesting. I don't see the fans, the favorites, losing a lot of challenges. I mean, if, if there is going to be a 10-person merge and there's going to be 10 people voted out pre-merge, uh, maybe there's going to be a 12-person merge and eight people are going to be gone. I'll bet you 80% of the people that are gone are fans. Just my guess. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good time now to transition to uh, – we have just a couple questions from your original seasons. And the first one is kind of one of those questions that people always ask in, like, any sort of survivor discussion thread – it's one of the biggest historical questions out there, and that is if back in Australia, if your Kucha tribe had been the final six, who, what would have happened? What would have been the tribe dynamic? Because we know that Jeff and Alicia had an alliance, and we know that Roger and Elizabeth had an alliance, but no one really, it never, they never really showed where you and Nick were in that whole fold. So what would have happened if your Kucha tribe had been the final six? Okay, and they did show it. Um, what happened is, Right before I fell into the fire, um, Roger and I sealed our alliance. We sealed our alliance while we were out there fishing. And I said, Roger, they're trying to get rid of you. And uh, because he was the old guy that couldn't swim. And um, I said, he said, what are we going to do about that? I said, I'm going to save you. He said, why would you do that? Like, why would you do that for me? And I said, because you need me right now to make it to the merge but once we hit the merge i'm going to need you and he said that's beautiful he said that's a perfect uh, a perfect description of it he said so he said i got elizabeth totally so i me and roger and elizabeth had just formed a three-person alliance so that we could actually have voting power out there so jeff and alicia definitely had an alliance and nick was the swing Nick was not making any lean towards either side. So the worst thing that could have happened is that we would have um, gone to a, uh, you know, a tie. But, you know, we likely would have convinced uh, Alicia and Jeff to go with Nick. So Elizabeth was going to go approach him, and then I was going to go approach him, and then Roger would go approach him. So we would, we would make it seem like it was Nick. But it didn't matter. If we would have turned the tables and voted for Jeff or Alicia, it wouldn't have mattered because we would have been a three-person voting block. And once one of them left, we could have rode it all the way to the final three. That's fair. That's fair. And then are you banking on winning the challenge then? Because I would assume Roger and Elizabeth aren't going to vote each other out. That is correct. And I was banking on... Roger and Elizabeth never won an immunity. They never won a reward. 
they were never even really factors in any of the challenges. Yeah. So whether they were strategic or physical or whatever. So I thought I had a pretty good shot of winning that alliance when it came down or winning that challenge when it came down to the final three. Yeah. So my biggest decision in the game, even right at the point I found the fire was, who am I going to take with me, Roger or Elizabeth? What do you think you would have done? You know, I, 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 I remember it going back and forth. And I remember my, I wrote my speech in my head on about day 10 out there. And I said, listen, this is a game of outwitting, outplacing, outlaying, outlasting. I said, if you're voting for who you like the best, you might vote for Roger or Elizabeth, but that's not the game. Mm-hmm. You might vote for who you got along with the best, who didn't offend you. I said, that's not the game, though. We're out here to play a game called Survivor. So when you vote, you have to vote out without play out last. And so I thought I could have gotten most of the votes with that jury speech because they didn't really make a significant impact in the game at mm-hmm. that stage. Now, I knew that I had three more weeks of game to play. Yeah. So, I mean, based on what evolved over the next three weeks was going to determine whether I took Roger or Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking about taking Roger because I didn't want to lose the female vote to Elizabeth. I thought that if there was two guys, kind of same demographic, me and Roger, both married, both have kids, both, you know, not, you know, 20 year old guys. And so, you know, from a straight on, and I would say, who outwitted, who outplayed, who outchallenged, who played this game the best? I thought I had a better shot against Roger. Here's a question. Uh, you just recently, you know, came back on Survivor Philippines. You're back on TV and everything and seeing yourself. Was there anything about what you saw uh, that surprised you of how you were portrayed or maybe things that, oh, I'm surprised they showed that or didn't? Well, you know, there's things that everybody says, you know, got left on the editing room floor and everybody, you know, Jeff Probst said it beautifully at the finale. It wasn't aired for TV, but he said, you know what, everybody that gets a good at it says, that was perfectly, perfectly captured me. And everybody that gets a bad at it says, that wasn't me. He said, we just, he goes, I've been doing this for 25 seasons, 500, you know, survivors. He said, I get it. Um, uh, you know, overall, they, they didn't really show the strategic part of my game, and I think it was uh, partially because I kept it from production because I didn't want production to blow it for me. Mm-hmm. I kept it from Jeff Probst because I didn't want Jeff Probst to blow it for me. Jeff Probst will do anything he can at Tribal Council to expose your game because he wants to create drama. Yeah. Drama equals ratings, as we all know. So, you know, I would say that they showed the story as they saw it from their eyes. But the fact that they didn't show Lisa and I in an alliance until three weeks into the show was just because we absolutely hid it from everybody, including production and Jeff Probst. Mm-hmm. So they, you weren't seeing what really happened, but you were seeing what they were allowed to, what we let them see of what our strategic game was. Mm-hmm. So kind of one question that I was wondering was, I mean, you had a bigger gap in your two times playing Survivor than any person to ever be on the show, right? You were on season two, and you were on season 25. And obviously the show has kind of morphed into something completely different um, in that amount of time. So 
how were your experiences both while you were playing and like kind of the reception from the public how were they different from the first time that you played well um first of all i don't think the game is that different it's outwit outclass outwit outplay outlast i mean the core of the game is exactly the same you know there's immunity idols and alliances are formed quicker but there's still alliances uh we didn't have blind sides really in our day but there was sort of like so i mean the game really hasn't changed that much. I mean, from the core of the game. I was surprised. Like, remember they showed that scene of Penner going after that stingray and missing, 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 missing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that scene? Well, I came across a stingray bigger than that one, and I nailed it with a spear. And I brought it to the beach, and it was wiggling and flopping, and everybody was running and screaming because it was poisonous barb, and... You know, I dumped it in fresh water. It died instantly. We cooked it. We ate the eyeballs. We ate the guts. We ate every single part of that stingray. And I'm like, why would they show Penner missing a stingray and not show me catching a stingray? Like, the the the, the food that I was bringing to the tribes in Australia, they showed a lot of. And on this season, for whatever reason, really show that part of it. And I don't really understand why. Um, because there, there's so much entertainment in the survival part of this game. You, you know, I, I, I did wish they would show, you know, me teaching artists how to carve up a chicken and eating the eyeballs out of the chicken and, you know, all the different things that we ate out there because it's definitely good TV, I thought. Yeah. I mean, you killing the pig on season two is one of the, I mean, iconic scenes from that season. Yeah, and, 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 and we killed stuff out there. I mean, I mean, there was stuff out there that we killed that should have been shown and just doesn't. And for some reason, they I don't know if it's based on time or based on what, but they don't show the survival stuff that they used to show. So public perception is that the show has gotten easier when in all reality it hasn't gotten any easier at all. It's just as hard. I lost 40 pounds in 40 days out there. I mean, it was harder than you can ever imagine from a, you know, a physical standpoint and a dehydration standpoint. And, you know, you're not sleeping. You're sleep deprived. You're food deprived. You're dehydrated. You're everybody's out to get you. There's no safe haven anywhere. Production's out to get you. Probes is out to get you. The 17 other contestants are out to get you. Um, and they don't really show how hard it really is. I mean, it rained for 17 days. Uh, the level of suffering that we experienced was like unlike any I'd ever experienced before in my life. Um, and I just think that part of it needs to be uh, portrayed to the fans better. Mm-hmm. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us about both the Caramoan and your seasons. But before we let you go, we, uh, we like to play a game with uh, our guests that come on. Uh, and if you're up for it, we'd uh, love to play it with you. Okay. Uh, this game is called Imagine If. What happens is I'll ask you uh, some sort of scenario. Imagine if uh, all of your cast members were doing something, and then you choose which person. Um, I guess you could either do Survivor Philippines or Survivor Australian Outback. Uh, which person from your season best uh, models the, the question? Okay. All right. So number one, imagine if your cast were all fitness celebrities. Which player would be Chuck Norris? I would say um, from and, and, I, and this, 
I, I can't use myself in any of these answers, right? Well, you can use yourself if you want. From a uh, a a fearless, reckless, just go for it standpoint, it would have to be probably Malcolm in the Philippines. Um, um, and from my season, we really did. I mean, I would have to say, um, you know, it would probably be me in the outback um, because I was the fearless, throw caution to the wind, mm-hmm. you know, jump into any situation type of guy out there. Yeah. Uh, imagine if everyone from your cast bought a new, a brand new computer. Which player would call everyone else needing an explanation on how to use it? <laughs> wow. Um, I would say um, from our from Philippines, it would have to be. Wow. I would say Abby. Okay. He seems the less techno techno savvy, the least techno savvy. Um, um, from uh, Australia, I would have to go with Kimmy. She was more of the party girl, happy-go-lucky. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't probably sit by and uh, you know handpeck away at a keyboard. <laughs> All right. Imagine if your cast were contestants on a reality TV singing show. Which player would make it farthest in the competition? Wow. You know, I would like to say that on. Philippines, it was the underrated Dawson. Oh. Dawson's beautiful, has uh, amazing presence, and uh, she would definitely um, have a good shot of making it far. In Australia, I would have to go with the you know, ever, ever dynamic and, uh, you know, now beloved survivor, used to be hated, Jerry Manthe. Imagine if your cast went camping together and suddenly saw a UFO landing. Which player would board the craft? <laughs> I love that. Um, wow. Um, I, wow. You know who would board it in a second would be Zane. Zane would be, <laughs> he, would, he would be the first guy on this. In fact, he might have come from one of those. <laughs> He's like, I'm going home, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, home. Take me home. Um, from Australia, I would have to be Cal Gleason, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, imagine if your cast saw a little old lady take a spill on the sidewalk. Which player would be the first to help? Lisa. Lisa Welchel, for sure. Lisa <laughs> Welchel. She was hugging people when they were it off. She was hugging away. Uh, yeah, definitely Lisa. From, uh, boy, from the outback, it would be Roger. For sure. Mm-hmm. Roger is least offensive person I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Never offended anybody out there. Alright, imagine if your cast was in the army, which player would be the drill sergeant? Shamar. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see, I would say the drill sergeant from Outback. Funny, it wouldn't be Cal, which is really funny because <laughs> he probably is a drill sergeant. Um, it would be Alicia. Alicia Calloway would be the drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. And you'd listen to her because she would deck you if you, if you did. <laughs> and from the Philippines, who would be the drill sergeant? Boy, it, no question, Jeff Kent. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Kent would definitely, he just doesn't like people. He, just doesn't like, he, he doesn't like humans. I don't know if he's got pets or what, but he's just not a big fan of humans. Alright, uh, imagine if your cast was on a sinking boat with only enough time to save one item. 
which player would save a blow dryer? <laughs> wow. Um, funny. Um, the person that would save, you know, it, it has to be Jerry Murphy on, uh, on, I, I, this is my first time I'm doubling up on an answer, but she's got those big, old, curly locks. I mean, I don't think they would, I think if she jumped into the river in Australia, they'd still be wet if she didn't blow dry them. <laughs> um, from Philippines, who would be most likely to save a blow dryer? And you know what? The two beauty queens, uh, Angie and Katie, and I am going to lean towards Katie. Imagine if your cast got into an argument. That shouldn't be too hard. Uh, which player would insist on hugging it out to ease the tension? <laughs> oh, I keep looking for a, a way that I can answer artists to one of these questions. Um, he would be the most likely to uh, strike you with a coconut. You know, did that on the show. But um, who would be most likely to hug it out? It would for sure be Lisa. Lisa is a... She has a compassionate side to her that came out on Survivor like none I've ever seen before. Um, so I'm definitely giving the hug it out to uh, Lisa from Philippines and the hug it out. You know, Rogers has as, almost as much compassion as Lisa, but he's not a hugger. Yeah. So, so Rogers would, wouldn't be my answer there. Um, I would say that for sure it would be the winner of season uh, two, Australian Outback. It would be Tina Wesson. All right, imagine if your cast went to the movies together. Which player would talk throughout the entire movie? <laughs> R.C. <laughs> R.C. St. Amour never stopped talking. <laughs> that girl could talk through, uh, I don't even know what. But, uh, you know, and I loved it. Very, very strategic. It was very threatening to a lot of people because she was always talking strategy. But R.C. was definitely talking through the whole movie. And Kimmy Kappenberg, for sure. <laughs> Kimmy Kappenberg kept us entertained by talking all night long. <laughs> all right, last one. Imagine if your cast were all Muppets. Which player would be Kermit? Tanner. For sure. Penner is Kermit. In fact, he might be related. There, there, there is rumor that Penner actually has a uh, not-too-distant relationship to actually Kermit the Frog. Um, in Australia, wow, who's the... You know what? It's, it's Mitchell. It's Mitchell Olson. Mitchell Olson is a stand-up comedian. He's funny. He's, he's loud. He's out there. Um, and I forgot he's a singer. Yeah, I didn't even give a singing answer. Mitchell Olsen can carry a tune. Uh, you know, seven foot tall. I don't know if he's quite seven foot. He got cast as seven foot, but uh, definitely a character out there. Well, we thank you so much for uh, playing Imagine If. It was great to hear your answers to that. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to plug or promote? You know, I am. Um, I'm definitely going to be back in action again. Um, you know, I've got like a couple of books swirling about. I got a fitness video swirling about. I got a nutritional uh, company that's swirling about. Um, I've got a show that's swirling about. So, you know, I would just say if you're interested in following my exploits, MikeScoopin.com, everything will eventually get put on there. I speak all over the country at uh, corporate stuff and schools and churches, and my speaking schedule's up on my website. So, um, I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a fans first kind of person, so if you know anybody comes to one of my events, I'll I'll hang with you. I'll answer questions. We're out of contract with CBS, so I'd love to uh, 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 meet you guys. And you're doing the power rankings with Gordon Holmes. 
and I'm doing the power ranking. So this is my uh, my first shot at Survivor blogging, although I did blog on Survivor Outback, and I actually got in trouble from CBS <laughs> for blogging. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that may not have been good, but uh, we... you know, you'll definitely see a, a humorous side to the experience when you read um, my power rankings. I'll be posting them on my Facebook and on my Twitter. Um, and by the way, if any of you guys want to uh, interact with your favorite fans from any season of Survivor, get your butts on Twitter. Um, the, the, the Survivors are hilarious. They fight, they battle, they <laughs> they hug, they they make up, they make I mean they make out. I mean, Twitter is the place to see a lot of the action on Survivor. So uh, if you're not if you're wanting to get some of the inside things that you don't typically get from watching the show, get yourself a Twitter account and start following the Survivors, and uh, they'll be more than happy to interact with you on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, Mike. It was so great to talk to you. It was truly an honor, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Yeah, you too. Yeah, take care. Thanks. Bye. Well, that was the one and only Mike Scoopin. It was so great to have him on. A lot of insight, and uh, yeah, it was lots of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I had a really good time talking to him. Well, that is all we have for this podcast. We will be back next week to talk... Uh, about the second episode of Survivor Caramoan with special guest Adam from Big Brother. So uh should be should be fun talking with him. He's a huge besides liking Tory spelling, he's also a big Survivor fan. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to get, get his insights as well. Yeah, and we got a lot of things in the works for this season, so make sure you just stay tuned and uh keep up on our Facebook page, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. Also, our uh, website, survivorpodcast.blogspot.com. And iTunes, David and Jess Survivor Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.